understand that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. That is our focus scripture for today. And why is that important? Because that tells us exactly how God feels about you and me. It says, for God so loved, the heart of Christ is love. It's impossible to think about Christ or Jesus Christ and not remember or recognize the fact that he loves us. For God so loved, amen. That's what the Bible tells us in John three sixteen. You know, when you think about your best friend, your loved one, your children even, you can come up with one or two phrases um, that represent their main or dominant character. Some of your kids are funny. They're hilarious. They like telling jokes. They make you laugh. They're the light of the family. Some of your kids, <laughs> some of your kids are just out there and wild, and we say eccentric, or they just, you know, just push you from one extreme to the other. But when you think about God, the only thing that you can come up with is love, because everything that God has ever done has stemmed from what? Love. It says, for he so loved that he gave. Amen. So giving is a part of love. Amen. Sacrifice is a part of love. Amen. Let's go to the scripture. I'm going to be reading from uh, the scripture in First Timothy in a few seconds here. But let's talk about the heart. What is the heart? That's the most important body part of your body. It pumps oxygen and nutrients to your organs to every inch of your body where it is needed. Amen. The heart is the essential part of the human body. The heart of the matter is the basis for what it's all about. So someone's heart is their true nature or their true character. It's who they truly are. So when we talk about the heart of Christ, we're talking about who Jesus Christ really is, who God the Father really is, who the Holy Spirit really is. Well, let's talk about who God's heart, Christ's heart. The number one thing that we all need to remember, and it's so important, is that the heart of Christ is that all people would be saved. That's his heart. He wants everyone to be saved. Now, when I say everyone, that means you and me. We were included in God's non-discrimination policy. Amen. <laughs> God wants everyone to be saved. Guess what? Your enemy and those the people that you don't like, they were included in God's non-discrimination policy. Amen. So the heart of Christ is for all people to be saved. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 through 4. What do you mean? It is God's heart for all people to be saved. For it says, first of all, first of all, y'all know how y'all, when y'all get upset, you say, well, first of all, first of all, that means most importantly. That's the high priority because he says first. First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Doesn't say some people. Doesn't say your family only. Doesn't say your clique. Doesn't say the people that you like. It says all people. For kings and all who are in high positions, that means your government officials too, not only, but too. 
ones you don't like, people in power that you don't like, those Democrats and Republicans that you don't like, those leaders of other countries that you don't like. Come on, that includes your friend over there in Russia, him too. For kings and all who are in high positions, that way that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Peaceful and quiet life. Peaceful and quiet life. That means absent of wars, absent of calamity and turmoil. Peaceful and quiet life. Godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Father. Catch this. In the sight of God our Father who desires all people, there's that word, those words again, all people, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The first thing we need to understand is that God wants all people to be saved. That means us four no more. That means your household. That means your neighborhood, your communities. That means even your enemies. That means people in countries you've never been to before. That means people that don't look like you or like you. Amen. God wants all people to be saved. And if we're going to have a heart like Christ, we've got to first understand what his heart is. Now, let's check your heart meter. Do you have a desire for everyone to be saved, including you? See, some people, they come to God and they get everything God wants for them, but they don't want nobody else to get what God got for them. So they keep their faith a secret. Yeah, there's people that's like that. Or they keep it from their enemies. Why? Because they don't want them to come into the knowledge of the truth. That's not the heart of Christ. The heart of Christ is that all people would be saved. Amen. So we've got to get down on the inside of us that we've got to have the same heart that Christ has. That means the essence of our being. We should want those that are different from us to be saved just as much as we want our own household saved. Amen? Amen. So think about your enemies when you're in your prayer life. Pray for them. Don't pray for them to get hurt. Pray for them to come to the knowledge of the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Why? Who's going to be glorified if they get saved? God. Who's going to be glorified if they don't? The enemy. So whose side are you on? If you're on the Lord's side, then you want everybody to be saved, just like God wants everybody to be saved. Amen. We've got to get the mindset that all races of people, all nations, all countries need to be saved. Amen. Not just our backyard, but the people over there in Ukraine, the people over there in Russia, the people over there across the waters. They need to be saved too. Guess what? God loves them too. God wants them saved too. We are the only ones God created. And guess what? Here's a news flash. This is a big one. You got to hold on to your seat real tight. He don't love us more than he loves anybody else. He created us all. For God so loved the world. That includes us all. Amen. So we have got to get the mindset that we want the least 
that you'd expect. You know, the people that have committed all these murders that you see on TV that are doing life sentences, somebody. You know, those three guys, I won't mention their names. Yeah, those three guys that just got convicted of federal crimes. Guess what? God wants them saved, too. And when we begin to grow up in our faith, oh, I touched something right there. I know I touched it. I did. Write me a letter. Send me an email. Some of y'all know me well enough to know how I'm going to respond. God said it. I didn't. All people to be saved. Amen. So when we begin to grow up in our faith and our prayer life, who should we be praying for? If we're praying for justice, we should also be praying for salvation. Amen. I didn't say don't pray for justice. So don't misquote me when you send me that email. I said, if you're going to pray for justice, also pray for salvation. Amen. Because it is the heart of Christ for all people to be saved. Some of y'all are confused. What do you mean? All people. Just, just what the Bible says. All people. The least likely people who you consider to be the biggest sinner. Now, sin is sin. There is no sin greater than the other. But some of y'all religious people have a mindset about sin. You think certain groups are committing more sin than others. Okay, read your Bible. Sin is sin. For all have sinned and come short of the knowledge of God, of the glory of God. All people. Christ wants all people to be saved. The second point that we need to learn is that the heart of Christ compelled him to sacrifice for us as sinners while we were yet in sin. That's his heart. It compelled us. It says in Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Still in sin. Still in a backslidden state. Still not focusing on God. And he still died for us on the cross. The love or the heart of Christ is sacrifice. Sacrifice. While we were still sinners. In the midst of doing all kind of ungodly things, Christ died for us. Now, we've got to have it in our hearts. If we're going to have the heart of Christ, we've got to have it in our hearts that we pray for those who have done evil towards us. We pray for those who made themselves adversarial to us. Why? That's the heart of Christ. If we're going to grow up in our faith, then we have got to get to the point where we do what Jesus did. We do good to others. Do you not realize that nobody put Jesus on the cross? Love put him on the cross. Sacrifice put him on the cross. But there isn't one that's been made that could make him go to the cross the only thing that did it was love sacrifice that's the extent of the heart of Christ of how much 
he loved us, that he sacrificed. So when we're praying for things and for people and situations, see, many of y'all get stuck in these little battles, these little relational, relational battles, I call them, relational attacks. You get tripped up in them. Why? Because you get stuck in the who, who, who shot who first, who shot John first. Well, they did this to me. Okay, I did that back. I clapped back and did that. Well, they clapped back and did this. I clapped back and did that. And you're missing what God is saying. You got to change your mindset. You got to have a paradigm shift. You got to shift your thinking. You got to grow up in your faith a little bit. Instead of going tit for tat and clapping back and clapping all over to each other, why don't somebody tap into the word of God? and start praying for that person. This is the year, 2022, for you to grow up in your faith and start walking in accordance with the word of God and doing that which God has said to do in his word. So you want to see receive the manifestation. You want to receive the blessings. You want to receive the breakthrough, but you don't want to operate like Jesus operates. You don't want to act like Christ. You don't have the heart of Christ because deep down in your heart, you raise your hands and you say you love Jesus, but you hate that person on your row. You do anything to stab them in the back. Uh-huh. I'm talking about you. Yeah, the one that runs around the church to the pastor to try to get your neighbor in trouble because you want to be head of the committee. It's the craziest thing in the world to see people in the church fighting over a church committee. I touched something there. Let me go. Let me let, let me go. Let me go. Because I didn't step on somebody. Well, let me let me say that for a second. It's the craziest thing in the world to see people, grown people, fighting over a committee in the church. And will go to war and go to bat. But then lay on the floor and speak in tongues so loud that they disturb any other meeting going on in the church. And they think they're actually making a sound from heaven. You are a liar and a deceiver. If you don't have love in your heart for your neighbor, you do not love Jesus. Let's move on. The heart of Christ is gentle and lowly. Amen? Gentle and lowly. It says in Matthew 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen. Gentle and lowly. Now, we have to remember the word gentle. The Greek word translated gentle has occurred three times in the New Testament. It, uh, it shows up in the first Beatitudes that the meek will inherit the earth. See, Jesus is meek, meek. That means that when it's time to go to the cross and they're whipping Jesus and they're beating Jesus and he goes to the cross, don't you know that he could have called angels? He could have called forth angels and destroyed. He could have spoke a word and destroyed all of those people if he wanted to. But he was compelled by love for 
the people. He was compelled by love for you and me. Amen. So he was meek. The Bible tells us in James 4, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The word lowly is translated humble in the New Testament. So gentle, meek, lowly, humble. So Jesus is gentle and lowly. He's meek and he's humble. And if we are to have the heart of Christ, we ought to practice meekness, humble, being humble. So many times you can't get to your breakthrough because of pride and arrogance. No one wants to humble themselves before God. No one wants to be wrong just for the sake of making right. No one wants to acknowledge their wrong to make right. We'd rather walk around in arrogance. We'd rather live a lie. 2022, this is the year to grow up in your faith and actually walk this thing called the Bible. Actually live according to the scriptures. Amen. So the heart of Christ is gentle and lowly. That is meek and humble. Amen. So one of the things about Jesus being lowly, being humble, he was accept accessible. Amen. He was accessible to the sinners. He didn't hang out with the religious folk. He didn't hang out with the folk that were uh, kings and priests and of high esteem and an upper echelon and couldn't be touched by anybody and needed an escort every time he went someplace. Jesus was meek and humble. Amen. Craziest thing in the world to see in the church is somebody that just cannot speak to somebody that's different in on your row. I dare you to turn to somebody in your row and just say hello. Hello. Hi, hi, how you doing? You look different from me, but you look good. How you doing? You're a different color from me, and that's great. Because now we start together, look like heaven. I dare you to walk into a store, and when you come out and you see a homeless person, you say, hello, good morning. How you doing? You speak to them the same way you speak to somebody from your congregation. I dare you to stop thinking that you're better than someone because you made it out of the ghetto. God brought you out. And the same God that brought you out can put you right back in. And the same God that brought you out can keep the ones that are still there. Is keeping the ones that are still there. I dare you to speak to somebody that couldn't graduate from college. Or somebody who's walking around with a GED. Or somebody that is backslidden into drugs and alcohol. And you walking around with a chip in your pocket. Jesus is meek and lowly. Always remember that God is the one that has delivered you. If you're going to have the heart of Christ, you've got to humble yourself under God. Because it is God that has saved you and me. We have to have a heart like Christ. We have the heart that forgives, that loves, that sacrifices. Luke 6, 45, it says, a good man 
brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. Now, that word good appears several times. Let's try it again. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, how do you tell whether somebody is walking like Jesus did and has the heart of Christ? How do you tell? Listen to what they're saying. They're walking up to you talking about sister and brother so-and-so. Look at their shoes. They don't look right today. They just don't smell right today. If their entire conversation is about someone else, I dare you the next time you're in church and somebody come up to you talking about somebody else, I don't care who they are, I double dog dare you. I don't care if it's a pastor, a minister, a leader, or whomever else it is. Unless it's a mother in the church, you better run. Don't do this with one of the mothers in the church because you get whipped. That's not my fault. <laughs> but I double dog dare you. When they walk up to you and they start talking about somebody else, I double dog dare you to look them straight in the eyes and say, you need a heart like Christ. You need a heart like Christ. Because a heart like Christ would not be over here talking about your brother and sister in Christ. And then I need you to dip with it when you do that, okay? Now, if it's a mother in the church, you need to get yourself some distance between and, and make sure she don't have, because, you know, mothers in the church, they throw their shoes. Make sure you get yourself a good distance from her, okay? <laughs> no, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. What's in your heart? Is your heart like Christ? Christ forgave. Remember when he was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Christ's very going to the cross was for what? So that we can be forgiven of our sins. So are we forgiving like Christ? Or are we holding grudges? Decades ago, I used to hold grudges. I used to be the type of person that held grudges like if I got mad at you, whoo, whoo, world was going to come to an end before I, I, I forgave. That's how I used to be. That's how I used to be. Until one day, I was in choir rehearsal. I remember I was like that with my dad. I, forget, I, I, I hated my dad for years. I hated him for years, and I swore I was never going to forgive him, and I was never going to get married. I was never going to go through all of this, that, and yet the third, which I, by God's grace, have never gone through. But I just swore I was never going to do this. Never, 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 never this. One day, I was in choir rehearsal, and they had it. We had a guest evangelist that was there visiting with us because we were going to, we were planning to sing at an event that the evangelist was putting on. And so he just stopped by rehearsal. Just stopped by. Talked to the choir. And the power of God started moving. Everybody started praying and praising God. And I fell on my face before God. And before I knew it, I laid out every art, every offense that I had with my father. And when I got up, I, will I could live to be 120 years old. I will never forget this. When I got up off of that floor, I 
felt like I had lost at least 20, 30 pounds because the weight of the unforgiveness had lifted off of me. The weight of 18 years of unforgiveness fell off of me. And from that point on, I was able to forgive other people. See, some of you can't let go of things because you still got childhood wounds that you haven't forgiven. Things that have hurt you that you've never talked about. Things that you haven't even acknowledged to yourself, you much less talked about. There will come a day where you have to forgive. And when you do, you will be the one that receives the release, the relief. A heart like Christ forgives others. It doesn't mean you'll allow yourself to get in a position again and some things happen to you. Not talking about that. Because, see, some of you have had situations that you didn't put yourself in. They just happened to you. And they weren't your fault. But you still got to forgive. A heart like Christ forgives others. Why? Because God forgave us. Christ forgave us. The Bible says if we repent, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Amen. So in order for us to have a heart like Christ, we have got to forgive others. We've got to forgive the most ugliest things, horrific things, all kinds of abuse, trafficking, all types of abuse. Some people have been beaten, raped, molested, almost killed, family members killed right in front of you. We still have to forgive. Why? Because Jesus forgave us. Now, this has nothing to do with whether or not justice is served. Justice needs to be served. But we still have to forgive. Amen? We still have to forgive. So a heart like Christ forgives others like Christ forgave. We also have to forgive because we want forgiveness. The Bible says, as forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Now, when we say as we forgive those, that doesn't mean that that person has done the exact identical thing that we've done. No, beloved. Because, see, some of you are saying, well, I didn't do anything that bad to someone. I didn't molest someone. I didn't beat someone in front of their kids. I didn't try to kill someone. But see, there's no difference in sin. All have sinned and fallen short. So we have to forgive like we want to be forgiven. Amen? We have to remain meek and humble towards other people who have hurt us, who are different from us, who might be in a different class or status than us. We have to remain meek and, hum and humble towards them. Just because God may have put us in one position and they're not yet in that position doesn't mean that we're better than them, amen? Because the same God that put you here, the Bible says he, takes, he sets one up 
in case you know. You could be in one place one day and the next day in a totally different position. We have to remain meek and humble. Amen. We have to be kind to one another. Kind to one another. Y'all ever seen a mean Christian? Just walk around pouting all the time. Just mean and ugly. And character. I mean. Just so mean. We have to be kind to one another. We have to do good to others. And as I close, it says in Proverbs uh, 4, 23, where it says Solomon tells us to keep the heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the spring of life. The heart in the Bible is not part of who we are, but it's the center of who we are. Our heart is what defines and directs us. So when it says in Proverbs, keep the heart with all vigilance, for it flows the springs of life, it means because the heart is a matter of life. It makes up who we are as a human being, each one of us, and it drives all of what we do. It's who we are. So the heart of Christ is who he is. He's gentle and lowly, meek and humble. He's kind. He desires for all people to be saved, you and me. Amen. And it's because of his heart that he went to the cross and paid the biggest sacrifice that will ever be paid. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for your word as it's gone forth. We ask you, Lord God, to help us to have a heart like yours. And we start now. We forgive those who sinned against us. We ask for forgiveness where we have sinned or messed up or made mistakes. We thank you, Lord God, for helping us to be loving and kind to one another, to be humble towards people and meek in every situation. And we just give you the praise, glory, and honor. And now, Lord God, for anyone who doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, even our enemies, Lord God, we just ask you, Lord God, to touch their heart. We know that no one can come to you except they're drawn by your spirit. So we ask you, Lord God, to draw them, bring someone in their life, whether it's us or someone else, God, whomever you choose, that will minister your grace to them, God, and give them a heart to receive Holy Spirit. Lord God, we pray for our friends over in Russia as well as Ukraine. We pray for peace in the name of Jesus. We pray that your divine will will take place. We pray for protection and for prevention, Lord God. And we pray for the Americas, Lord God, and every place around this world, Lord God, that the hearts of your people will look to Jesus Christ and a new life and receive a new life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Always.